Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. And the way God made them. In the mind, and I'm going to answer your question because I think this is important. He made them one. Okay, by blowing one spirit, one time, into that lump of clay. And he made Adam a living soul. And then he took Eve out of him. And, and that he brought it to him, and he made him one in Genesis 4, verse 1, where, um, where um, they became one flesh, and God's heart was from this unity that his kingdom would come. I say a righteous, um, um, in, in Malachi 2, verse 15, he explains this. And I will come to the answer right now. In Malachi 2, verse 15, it explains, and it's also very important for us as intercessors because we, we stand in a gap for families. And God started this entire creation with a family. He did his first miracle on this we- with a, um, a, a wedding. And he did his first miracle on a wedding celebration, and he will come back. And he will end this earth the way we know it with the biggest wedding feast we know and we all want to be there okay but this keys to be there now in malachi 2 verse 15 he explains something significant to us concerning his kingdom amanda draw yourself me i see and and he speaks to to um to the leadership in Malachi 2, and he says, But did he, speaking of God, not make them, Adam and Eve, one, having a remnant of the Spirit? So, and why one? I will explain now. He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel says, that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence, um, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed in your, to your spirit, the spirit of marriage, that you do not deal treacherously. So God created Adam and Eve in a very specific way, as one, by blowing his breath, Zoe life, into the lump of clay, and he made him um, male and female. So it was hidden inside of Adam. And there was a purpose for that because the Lord could take more dust and dew and he could make a more, another lump of clay. And he had breathless left. That's what he speak about, the remnant of his spirit. He, in Afrikaans, it actually says, Alhoewel God nog awesome oor God. Okay, so he had a remnant of his spirit, so he could create Eve. But because unity is so important to God, and the unity that would actually declare Yahweh, um, he made him one, and he took that side of Adam that ripped from his side, and he fashioned Eve, he brought her back, now, they were two portions, this one spirit was in two bodies. 
And God will never work with dividedness. Therefore, in the creation, the blueprint um, for creation, for to represent the kingdom of God on earth, he fashioned a male and a female to be like a puzzle piece and fit together beautifully. So when they become one, they will not only represent that one spirit, that one uh, um, Zoe breath that brought life to earth, the oneness between husband and wife and the trinity as a circle, um, is completed when they become one. So the spirit is joined together, and this spirit is speaking about this, the result of this oneness, of this unity, will be a godly offspring. So um, the kingdom of God is unity with the trinity. The kingdom of God is is um, opening our hearts to the breath of God, the Zoe, Zoe breath, the Zoe life of God, the life to come into us and, and, and bring that life into, into a broken world. And the kingdom of God is also to desire a godly offspring because of the unity. It's why Satan hates men so much and little girls as well. I mean, I've been through all those stuff and he, he, he just don't want us to be one because he hates a godly generation. He doesn't want a new generation that is serving God because God knows that, that the kingdom of God can come with his healthy, whole families because godly offspring flow from them and the presence of God is where there is godliness. The presence of God where there is a, when the, where there is a, a righteous um, generation being raised. So the kingdom of God is everything that represents the Trinity that needs to manifest on earth. So for us to understand the kingdom, we need to understand the heart of the Father. We need to understand Jesus and what he made us to be. And therefore he said, healing is kingdom. Restoration is kingdom. Deliverance of evil spirits is kingdom. To be whole and peaceful and at the rest of God is kingdom. Everything that Jesus paid for on the cross is kingdom. And therefore he said that we need to declare the kingdom has come the moment that somebody heals. Because this is how we can work with heaven to... Um, Jesus not, you know, he did not only restore or redeem what Adam lost, but he, he took that place in us so that we cannot mess up. By, you know, like, like Adam and Eve did, by listening to that voice. He's in us now. The kingdom has come in me. The moment I received Jesus, the moment that my spirit man became alive again, it was dead. And, and maybe I went to church unsaved and I was busy with dead works. It will come to nothing. It will be a high stubble and whatever when the fire of God comes one day. So the kingdom of God is at hand, see this is the word, but it's Jesus and his character and his father 
dit is practically for mij. That's practically what for me what it is. It's love and it's peace and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. It's power. And the best of all, it's not something that must come. It's in you. That's why you can bring somebody to salvation by preaching the gospel and release it, the power thereof. And you can, you, you can see the kingdom come in a family. Daar is zeker ander goeie verduidelikings, maar praktikale vir ons as help het jou. So, wat ek wil net gauw, because I know the Lord wants his soldiers healed. Doesn't want a broken army, a wounded army. I want to quickly speak to you about the role of the wife and the role of the the role of the husband. You see, um, first of all, the, the nation that God gives you really an unction for to pray and a brokenness for their lostness. You will always start with prayer for that, for that lost soul. I cannot convince a Muslim to receive Jesus if I don't love the word, if I don't know the word. Because they know the Quran. And um, they know it much better than what we many, many times know the word of God. So to reveal the love of Jesus to them is one of the things. And um, what I found with a little bit of experience that I have is um, I would normally pray for a specific Islam family that's in my influence sphere, and then God would open a door. So I've been praying for this family, this Baba's shoes, the owners, Soli and Saif family. And I've been praying for their salvation so many times. And I would come into the store and the youngest son would sit there with the Quran, chanting with the, the prayer beads and the things, um, because he, he's learning to become an imam. And I would pray for his peace and disconnect him from that principality just by speaking peace over him and whatever. And then their mom fell very ill. And um, the oldest son, Yusuf, he sent a WhatsApp to... We actually rent our business from them as a family, the, um, the building. And he sent our um, manager a message, please, will you ask Amanda if she will come and pray for my mom? So, it's, it's, I would say, and those who evangelize, like Shofar, in more of the Muslim nations, I think Sias will have better answers than me. But I know this way. This way is pray for them to experience the love of Jesus and to be drawn with cords of love 
and then God will open opportunities. So the father, the mother passed on, okay? She had COVID, they wouldn't allow us to pray with her, not that God is bound by, by but God, in his, in his, in his um, sovereignty, he allowed her. But now the owner, the dad, called me. He said to me, Yosef is extremely depressed. I need you to come and pray for him. But they are radical Muslims. So I went and, I, and, I, and he spoke to me, surely the father, and he said to me, um, I'm so worried about my son since his mom's death because he's not married, this young man. He was very close to his mom. Um, he's very depressed and he speak about self-murder and stuff, suicide and things like that. So God opens... I'm, I'm convinced in my heart, if I haven't prayed for them so much as a family, you know, I don't know if they would reach out and ask for prayer. And that's the way I know it. Even in the village where we, we work at the moment, that's Islam, the Islam territory, I pray for their salvation and I pray that. So they received gifts from me. Normally it's the Islam that the hands are, they, they both... They networks with hand, hands out, you know, handing out stuff. But he sat there, the imam, uh, uh, the uh, senior chief, the Muslim, with his two um, imams, and they received from me sugar. And I said, Jesus, <laughs> I understand something today. Thy kingdom is busy coming. Because normally they won't receive anything from you. So prayer, I think, is the key. It's what we are doing right now. So we partner with God. We're in a partnership with God. And as couples, we need to understand, and as families, we have a kingdom purpose and a kingdom mandate. So as a covenant people, the covenant between me and my husband should have the highest priority. And to protect the covenant between us, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, needs to be our highest priority. And next to that, our kingdom mandate that we have as a family. We need to ask God, what is that, Lord? What is the good works that you predestined for us to walk in as a family? And you see, as intercessors, this is very important because this is a this is a deep dimension of partnering with God. It's when we come and we total surrender the destiny of a family line to God. And we say, God, but um, your kingdom should come through us as a family. So our prayer altar should be established, should be strong. Our fellowship as a family with God should be strong. Um, where it's possible. Sometimes we are married to unsafe people and they are not interested. Then you just do what you have to do. But if our both are saved, build a strong prayer altar and start to pursue God for your king, the kingdom purpose of you as a family. Because as you align yourself as a couple to the kingdom of God, the heart of God for you, and you seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness in your covenant relationship with God as highest priority. 
most of these challenges you face, relational challenges, incompatible challenges. What's Oliver's quoting that means? We are incompatible. Incompatible. Actually, you, this, you were not created to compete. You were created to complete. Because together, you are the true image and likeness of God. The fullness of who he made us to be. And you start to focus as a family Lord. What is the purpose of the LaRue family line? And God starts to open up to you. This is my son, Johannes. I've called my son to um, patent something new that will actually help vehicles um, to function with no petrol. <laughs> Hope you can it out figure. <laughs> no, but um, every family line has a purpose. And we need to hear from God what is the purpose of this family. So my prayer, my commitment in prayer starts with my personal prayer life and my relationship with God. And then uh, to pray for my family. Sometimes I, I have intercessors. They are with a prayer in church and whatever else, but women can't pray for their husbands. They are not the husband's intercessor. Now, where did God, God, um, uh, uh, to whom did God give the assignment to pray first in the Bible? I want to tell you to you, and that was to Eve. When he said to Adam, I'm going to, to um, you need Eve. Okay, firstly. If you don't need it, if you don't know it, you need Eve. Okay. The Lord said to Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. Okay. So you need Eve. There's a purpose for that, and the purpose is this. And I will make you an helper fit. A helper compatible. Is And if when you break down this concept, of Ezer Connecta, of a compatible helper. Ezer is the same word that's used for God in the Bible. It's used twice for Eve, once for Joshua, and all the other times for God as our helper. Okay? So, I am a husband's Ezer. I'm a helper. So, now you, now you study the character of God as helper, and you see what he do. Connecto is counterpart. It fits like a puzzle. The two words together, it's not, a, it's not somebody that's inferior to the other, but it is a counterpart. The two need each other, but Adam needs Eve. Okay. Yeah, let the glory say, but I don't know. Adam needs Eve, E-V-E. -E. Okay. And why does he need, need Eve? Because Ezer connecto, when you study the deeper meaning in Hebrew, means boundary setter. So God has created me in a way that I will be able to discern when my husband is in the chops, when he's got trouble, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and the Ezer in me is activated because we are one, and now I see in the spirit my husband is in, he's got, he's going through a difficult time, or he's moving away from God, and I'm not fighting him, I'm not preaching at him, but I 
surround him with prayer. And what the word of God says, what Ganecto means, together with Ezer, is when his face is turned to God's face, my face is turned to him. But when his face is away from God and is on the wrong path, I turn my back to him, not to reject him, not to fight him, but to face my God on his behalf. The first intercessor, not the word intercession, the first intercessor in the Bible is Eve, is an intercessor made and helper for us. And Satan will want your voice to be silent in the heavens, not praying for your wife. I've ministered to many pastoral couples where not one of the women fulfilled the calling as an intercessor for their husbands. There's other scriptures where the word says you need to surround him with prayer, encircle him with prayer. And I found the key. I asked God one night, actually in our hotel in Jambi, in Sumatra, and I had to minister to this very big church, and I was like shaking. Lord, what, what, what? And God broke this thing open to me. Never did I know the pastor and his wife really needed a breakthrough. He survived six heart attacks. He was a guy in Sumatra, in the north, where the most fearful Islam um, uh, uh, clans are. They, they, they raised the terrorists in the northern Sumatra, and he is the founder of the underworld, under the, the underground um, prayer towers. So he survived six um, heart attacks, and God gave me this word in, in, in Jambi, and he said to me that um, the reason why the woman, the wife, cannot pray for her husband is because um, they are not truly one. Her purity was stolen in her youth. And because of that violation and, and, and the lack of the redemption of that, she doesn't have the unction than what a pure woman that would marry a pure man will have. And I started to, to minister, and I ministered to 48 couples in ministry. And I found that each and every one of those girls were violated the purity. And the simple prayer of redemption, to bring the Ezer connector back to her husband, to redeem it, changed families. And that pastor, I ended up in the home that night, and this came to the light. The children were really, really rebels. He's doing mighty work for God, but they sit with rebellious children because the unity between them is not intact. And I ministered till what time in the night to that family that night, and God touched them and healed them. The wife actually repented, and she said, I asked God to forgive her. And we restored the two in, 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 a, in, in, in the godly unity that the Lord wants. And the testimony that came from their lives, see, their um, oldest daughter were in Satanism while he established on the uh, um, ground 
uh, prayer towers. She came out of Satanism when him and his wife, and his wife, um, she, she repented because she said, I never prayed for him. So she wasn't the Ezer connector that God made her for him. And Ezer, the biggest mistake that came into the church is this whole thing concerning submission, unconditional submission. Because when you go and study that scripture in the original Greek, you will be surprised what you find there. And you see, we have... I'm going to thank you, I'm going to submit But the wrong doctrine that came into church, that a wife must submit unconditionally to her husband, brought a heresy into the church, that disarmed women from being the mighty warrior God made it to be. Because Ezer is a war term. It's a war term. This is a mighty warrior of God. We are partners in ministry. I cannot go without her because she sit and pray. to become their husband's first line of defense. I am my husband's first line of defense. I am programmed by heaven to hear from God on his behalf. And when I dream, the dream is not to fight my husband. It's to war for him. When I discover something. It's not to fight him. The entire world system is geared to get him off track. Governments, pornography is okay. Whatever else. It's on television. It's in books. It's on Google. It's on your cell phone. It's everywhere. Satan is going for men. And in the season where we are, God is raising up mighty warrior women to do what God says in Psalm 68 verse 11. The Lord gives the word and great is the multitude of women, the army of God, who bear and publish the word. That word, the Hebrew for word, is promises and the word of word, scriptures. And we are incubators. We know how to incubate. And men, I want to tell you, if your wife stand up two in the morning or three, cheer her on. Say, Lord, strengthen her. Give her capacity to war on my behalf. Lord, speak to her. Empower your women to do what Jesus has called her to do. And that is to be a warrior for the family. There's the other dimension of prayer. And, and I know out of experience, men hate it to wake up without the ezers. I know it. 
I know, but I, what I know. <laughs> I'm 60, nearly 61 years old. But let me tell you, you cannot afford in the times where we live to have a weak prayer altar. And you cannot afford to have a, an ether that's inactivated by your, um, uh, um, what say means, selfishness. You need an ether connector to war for you. you. Your wife is your first line of defense in prayer. She's geared to fight for you. And God has given us the spiritual capacity, wisdom. I don't know what it is. It's not a sixth sense. <laughs> Discernment comes from God. It's connected to love. Philippians 1, 9, 10 and 11. Pray that over you. So if you want to establish a proper prayer altar as a family, empower your wife to pray. That's one of the gifts that God gave to families to become powerful. Is there connected? Dat is die hele teaching wat ek daar op doen, wat die heren vir my oop gebreek het. Hy begin om het oop te breek in Jambi. That scripture in, in Ephesians 3, I think, verse 14, around 14, where Paul says, I bow my knees before the God of heaven, who named every family in heaven and on earth. Families is extremely important to God. We should take time as a church to just pray for the families in our, in our church family. That they will live healthy, that women will be positioned. You see, we overfocus on women submit unto their own husbands as unto Christ, but we forget the entire remaining portion of Ephesians 5 is written for men. Love your wife as Christ loves the church. And then the Lord starts to play between the eternal marriage between Jesus and his bride and the mirror on earth, the picture on earth. They start to play, and he says, as you wash her, it's to remove the, 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 the spot, the blemish, and the wrinkle. And men play the biggest role in preparing the bride of Christ. But the veil has been drawn because we stopped at why such should submit. And now my husband tell me to watch some stuff that's not from God, and because I have to submit, I'm doing this. One pastor's wife, they, they were deep in trouble with debt. And she said to me, but we were in our, in our um, leadership training, we were taught that women should submit unto their husbands. And he asked me to, to get another account, another credit card on my name. And now we are where we are. Submission can be ungodly, when it's not godly. <laughs> if my husband tell me to watch porn, I just will fall into intercession right there and tell him, lovey, my first, the first person to whom I submit is the one who's over you. If you are not in line with him, I don't align myself with darkness. Because I must submit unto my husband unconditionally. A heresy came into church and I saw more 
Marriage is broken because of that then healed. Submission is unto each other out of reverence for God. And to honor your husband is godly. To speak to him with the understanding that I first speak to Jesus in him will cause you never to shout on your husband. If you remember, when I speak to, to my, my husband, he's not here, my husband, and there's a sort of a difference between us, and I come to him, and Jesus is going to receive this, because he's prepared, and in him, I will not speak dishonorable against my husband. With a revelation, how this heavenly, earthly, marriage thing works, things change. And now, the respect is first to Jesus in me. And because Jesus is living in me, I respect my husband. I will not raise my voice to my husband. I will not. Because who of you will shout on Jesus? But, the other thing is, husbands love your wives. As Christ loves the church. Lord, activate your love in barren for me. It's my standard prayer. And when maybe something happens and I'm a bit disappointed that night without him knowing, I just lay my hand on him and say, Lord, he doesn't know what he's doing. I surround him with prayer so that Jesus can save that area of his life. Because I have the authority to break that power. He made me his either. And in our home, bottom soul for my say, Yeah, ja, okay, okay, yes, my either I've So there is alignment that must come. And when we align ourselves with heaven, the kingdom opens up. There's things that happen. And when you're in alignment, the blessings, generational blessings, we are struggling. People are praying through thick piles of prayers, renunciation prayers to break curses. Jesus did that. What released the blessing? Blessings from God is light. Curses is darkness. So instead of focusing so on the curses, release the blessing by changing your mind and your life. How, how you live. And pray on the bloodline and say, Lord, Oswald, deserve the fullness what you have in store for this bloodline. Lord, activate that in my son. Instead of focusing on the curse, I say and I declare, Jesus became a curse so that I can be free. And if there's a persistent thing and I see it in the bloodline, I stand in the gap and I say, Lord, forgive whatever happened on the bloodline to give a foothold for a second and a third and a fourth generation in church to bear the fruit of what happened there. Forgive it, Lord. I bring it under the blood. And Lord, you promised in Colossians 2.14 that your blood, blood will wipe out this document of acquirement to accuse my bloodline in heaven. Lord, thank you that the blood of the Lamb washes us away. Whatever ignorance, whatever unrepented sins, whatever abomination, whatever stubborn iniquity, 
I bring it before you. In faith, and you break that curse by applying what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and release generational blessings. How do I activate it? Restore your unity. Then you become like a channel of goodness because you align yourself with your heavenly storehouse. And no force in hell can stop when God has blessed. Get it into your spirit. Let it fall. Revelation. Come. Say it. Respond to the spirit of God. Respond to the revelation. Let this become a revelation and fall in my spirit. Focus on what Jesus did. Satan wants us to focus on another curse. And another that somebody phoned me yesterday. She said to me, so, a person ministered to her and said to her, you're a carrier of a familiar spirit. I said, yes, maybe in the, in the past this was true, but Jesus Christ has conquered and left every spirit of every rank and every order paralyzed in hell. It's got no dominion over you unless you give it dominion. Tell it to go. You are unwelcome. You are a squatter. Out. Break the squatter's right. Repent. Break it. If you find a squatter in your life, repent. Change your mind. That's what repentance means. Change your ways. So, marriage. For a church to become powerful, we need to pray that God restore every broken marriage. Every People come to church and they sit next to each other, okay? But when they walk out in that car, you can just sing. But I can't just write and sing every man, so fight a lot. And don't feel condemned. Today is the, your day. It will help you to become powerful as a family. To take the truth of the word today. I ministered to a couple. They were When I started to minister to them, they were um, 36 years married. And this man absolutely um, inactivated his ear. She had no voice. She couldn't say nothing. He was the voice. The only voice. And he could speak to her in any way. I've never heard Jesus shout on me. He always brought hope to me. And sometimes we minister to unsaved couples and they are more godly than what you find in church. So um, this guy was ready for me because he didn't believe on women preaching. And the Lord revealed it to me in a dream. So I started just to pray, Lord, will you just break the truth open to this man? There's no more dual Greek, dual Gentile woman or man. We are sons, all of us. And God broke that stronghold over his mind. And do you know what happened? He ended up in church washing his wife's feet, asking her forgiveness because he did a public sin against her. He humiliated her for years in a row in front of leaders and people that hadn't had answers for, for his stronghold, the stronghold in his life, the brokenness in him. 
And the Lord healed him, and they're married again. I've been to the marriage. And um, I've seen when you receive revelation knowledge for your, for your um, family, the purpose of your family and how marriage should work, how God brought healing to that entire family. Hallelujah. And I will give you all the notes. Does I get feel a rare intercessor training But I feel God wants to practically um, activate you as a family, a church family, to heal. And I want to ask the men if maybe you are that person that. Um, what did your wifey when you wake up next to you while she was praying for you and the children? Please restore and release her as an ezer. Say, Lord, use my wife to pray for us as a family. Activate my wife. Find other ways to, um, to bond. But when God calls her, and I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm a master slipping out of bed, women. <laughs> I know how to slip out of bed and not wake my husband up. But many times God speaks on the 10 past 2 about my family when they are there, their lives are in trouble. God saved, saved. I can have a book full of testimonies when we align ourselves with the heart of God. And this will make you, as a, the house of the Lord, as a, this church family, mighty in God. Ezer connecto, boundary setter, first line of defense. And that's what God made us. But husbands, you are working with God as you minister the word of God to your wife. When you discern your wife's emotions are a bit demacore and it's the wrong time of the month or whatever, let's just be real, okay? You take the word of God and you take her in your arms and say, come sit. And you start to speak peace over her, life over her, destiny over her. See what God is going to do for you as a family. Maybe you've been praying a lot Okay, but you were also harsh with your wife. The word of God says in Peter and in Malachi 2, I will not listen to you. Because violence against women, whether it's words or physical, it's to, it's to um, the word says, it's to cover um, your garment, your wife is your garment with blood. It's violence to God, it's bloodshed to God. Because Jesus looks out for his bride. He is absolutely tuned into our emotions. He's looking out for us. He wants the best for us. And that is what we should do. So the word says that you washing your wife with the word of God is working with heaven to prepare the bride. The bride of Christ. Because it removes. And, and it is a word play. Between heaven and earth, I'm talking about my bride, the bride and, and Christ. And he says, it is, a, it is a, um, a profound mystery, says the word. 
the sting of the earthly marriage that's been made according to the eternal marriage between Christ and the bride. And everlasting love, that eternal love that should be between husband and wife, um, develops when we understand Ephesians 5. And as intercessors, you can go and check yourself and pray about it. Walking in the love of God, Ephesians 5 verse 1 and 2, and then um, the opposite of walking in the love of God. And then I think about from verse 7 on walking in the light of God and what it means, and then the opposite, and then walking in the wisdom of God. What it means and the opposite. And those three things we desperate need, walking in the love, walking in the light, and walking in the wisdom to build capacity in us, spiritual and emotional capacity and mental capacity to prepare ourselves for eternal love because only then the Lord came and he spoke about um, the love between husband and wife compared to the love of the bride and Christ. So you need to walk in love, walk in the light, and walk in wisdom to prepare yourself. So teach the youth these three things. And tell them, if you want to prepare yourself for eternal love, everlasting love, because the, cell, the same everlasting love that's between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can live in the spirit of marriage, can be between us. Because it's not an emotion. It is a decision to love. And I've made a vow to love him forever and a day. And I have to do that if I want to keep my promise to God. Hallelujah. And it's all things that God is giving for us. To restore us and to empower us to become powerful intercessors. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.